Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. It's a beautiful day in southern Wisconsin, and I think it's a beautiful day in Texas where my guest is, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. I want to remind you of a few things. My Whole Planet Spirituality Retreat at Unity Village in October, October 19th through 22nd. Love to have you there. It's going to be absolutely amazing, and we're going to be taking a deep dive on how to align our uh, our values and our thoughts and our feelings so that we live congruent peaceful lives, and that's the key to becoming peacemakers on this planet. It's called Peace Begins With Me, and you can find it more at the spiritualform.org slash retreat. Also, I uh, just want to say, if you are a YouTube listener, please subscribe. It, it does help. I've got to get myself bumped up so that I can get to a point where um, I get some monetization going on, and would really appreciate rating reviews and any feedback that you have on the podcast. So let me introduce my guest today. Michael Coyote has had a lifelong journey encompassing music, electronics, engineering, digital audio, technology executive roles, semiconductor startups, and venture capital. Alongside his technical career, he immersed himself into decades of meditation and spiritual inquiry with Sufis, shamans, and mystic Christians. Among his many jobs, Michael worked for a government contractor that played a pivotal role in the development of the internet. And by early 2000, the internet was well underway in its transformation from a decentralized information network to a centralized and curated information system. Witnessing this correlation with centrally controlled religions and spiritual traditions, Michael began to focus on sovereign digital identity, decentralized computing, and cybersecurity, while taking a deep dive into ancient traditions that embrace the sovereignty of the human spirit. Today, we're going to be talking about the principles put forth in his book, Isness, Science, Consciousness, and Spirit. And this book explores the links between the science of Nikola Tesla Charles Proteus Steinmetz, relativistic and quantum physics and ancient spirit science traditions, and also delves into the web of entanglement that keeps us from realizing our divine nature. That is a lot of stuff. And trust me, Michael's bio is like this big, and I try to condense it down a little bit so that we can we can kind of get to the essence of what he's about. And um, I'm just really excited because I think these topics are so important today. Uh, welcome, Michael. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm I'm really excited to talk about uh, decentralization. I think this idea of embracing sovereignty in the human spirit, and especially <laughs> the spiritual and how it intertwines in the world, where we're talking about digital identity and these things that are kind of coming upon us right now. That I think if we're not really careful, we're just going to get kind of sucked into a system that we're not going to be happy with. Um, so anyway, very happy to talk to you about all the stuff that's in your book. Um, 
we're going to do this in two parts. So I want our listeners to know we're going to do this in two parts because even though Michael's book is not a you know huge 800-page book, it's actually pretty concise, um, there's just so much in it. And so we're going to be doing this in two parts. And the first part we're going to be focusing on isness and the ether and how our thoughts really impact the collective consciousness. And, the, and we're also going to be talking about the, um, uh, the uh, ruling hierarchies and how they keep us from our divine nature. And we're going to be doing a deeper dive into that last part in the second part. So that's kind of a, a summary of what our plans are today. So Michael, let's talk about isness <laughs> as a start. Actually, let's, let, Actually, as a start, tell me your story. I always forgot. I almost oh, forgot. Oh, my that. word. Sorry. I mean, not, not your whole biography, but like your no, spiritual we'll, we'll keep it. Yeah. We'll keep it really short. Yeah. Short. Yeah. Well, in, in parallel with me pursuing a career in engineering, in audio and networking, I, um, I started meditating at the age of 13. Um, and that was a journey that continues to this day. I, um, avoided joining any organizations till my late teens, delved into a Sufi yoga kind of combined organization for 10 years, watched it completely devolve into a guru controlled cult, was unceremoniously defrocked and ran, not walked away. And from there pursued a very long journey studying traditions across continents, studying the history of spiritual and scientific inquiry, spanning from, you know, ancient Greek philosophies to um, deep dive into mystic Christianity, um, some more time with uh, Sufis, shamans, and there I found really a common thread, which I would call, which I term isness. I did not invent the word. Um, and uh, in, in this book, I, I take a stab at concisely describing the common threads that cross all these traditions. So you were kind of a spiritually precocious young man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because not many people at 13 are meditating. I was I was rebellious and precocious at the same time, yes. <laughs> Rebell rebelling against te your teenage <laughs> years by meditating. <laughs> I sat alone at the lunch them. table. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, I can see that if, if you're if you're having these different experiences, like who do you belong with? You know, I think you probably learned there's your singularity right there is you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that the devolution of the the religious thing that you were involved in into some sort of a cult is a common thing that we see in in religions and a common thing we see in groups where there's followers of some certain leader and everybody is really giving up so much of their power to this leader only to have the leader exploit them in some way. And I think that's why so many people turn away from religion. Yeah. yeah. And, and worse yet, the leader dies and his minions take over and, and take it to the next level of, of, uh, of control. 
Yeah, it's very, very interesting. It's like it's like we haven't really evolved from the era of kings and queens. Mm-mm. We've just moved to a different a different way, expression. That's a deep subject, which I guess we'll take take up in the next section. Because <laughs> we'll, we'll go down a rat hole if I pick up that. Yeah, that don't comment. pick that one up. <laughs> we're we're going to do that. We're going to go into deep deeper dive in the second sessions because first we're going to talk about isness and let's talk about that. Like what what sure. is that? Yeah, I, I I boil it down to three, really distill it down to three main points, which I found everywhere. I found in um, Sufi heart meditation. I found it in the mystic Christian traditions, which I would like to believe predates the Gospels. It's what Christians were before they were called Christians. Um, And uh, that's a deep subject, which we can chat a little bit about, um, because I think there's a more amazing story there than what, what, what we read in the canon scripture but um i found it in buddhism of course but it boils down to three main principles one is the essence of our consciousness exists only in the moment it's a dimensionless timeless presence um people who don't meditate look at me like i have 10 heads and seven arms but uh if you've meditated at all and felt that silent center um that nothingness um that is our essence that is our presence in this reality that is the point with which we perceive reality from a point that only exists in the moment um the the next principle is this idea of an infinite journey that we are since we all exist in a unique point in time and space we perceive the universe uniquely we are each on a unique and i would say sacred journey um it has no beginning has no end and the importance of that is um uh, for those who look to gurus and masters who tell you you know if you do this for 20 years you'll attain this my point to them is well isn't the journey infinite and they say yes, and is well. Then you're no further along than I am. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, so the infinite journey is very important because it means you don't you you don't arrive at some nirvana ultimate the ultimate destination. Those are signposts. Those are experiences. Take them and move on. Um, but but when we think that we're you, we're sacrificing our life and our journey um to achieve something um yes by all means achieve knowledge achieve skills and so on but to think that there's some ultimate um achievement there rather than an infinite journey you know that you hear it in in a lot of traditions embrace the journey not the goal Uh, so that was exceedingly important for me to learn uh after leaving a very goal-oriented meditation practice um the last point which is pretty prevalent is universal consciousness which is we in our unique single dimensionless presence in this reality are part of a universal consciousness this translates to 
do unto others as you would do to yourself, I would take it a step further. What you do to others, you're also doing to yourself. Um, we're all connected. We think we're disconnected because we have a single point perception of reality, but we're all connected. And it boils down to those three things. And they're, I, I, and with my engineer's mind, I tried to explain them from that perspective, but they, they're, they are truths that span thousands of years from Plato to the, the Vedic traditions to, I, I believe very strongly early, very early Christianity. Um, if they even called it Christianity at the time, um, the, the Sufis who predate Islam, by the way, uh, the Sufis that I spent time with, I didn't know whether they were Muslim or Hindus mm. because the Naqshbandi path of Sufism that I practiced for um, uh, more than a decade uh, started indoctrinating um, Hindu Hindus into their lineage around the turn of the 19th, 20th century. So Sufis were embraced by Islam. They're they, they, I believe, are very connected to the sort of desert shaman, Essene traditions in the, in the, you know, early Christian years. There's a lot of common elements there. Um, so I learned a lot from them. I learned about heart meditation. Um, and um, so I, I, I appreciate that tradition quite a lot. But also with with the shaman traditions, which also span every continent, um, that have almost identical practices and traditions on these apparent disparate indigenous cultures, um, these same principles exist. Um, that uh, that we are uh, a unique spirit. We're experiencing the world, and that uh, all nature is universal consciousness the plants the stars the earth that it's it there's all consciousness there intelligence there that we need to learn to understand and communicate with we're all part of it it's part of us so um you know these three elements are manifest a little bit differently across these traditions but um i i was careful to um to really distill it down to uh, a, a common thread that that would resonate with people across all these traditions. I, hopefully, I was successful. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think it's um, definitely important for us to awaken to this. But we live in this world where, I mean, we live in a planning, goal orienting, doing stuff, keeping us keeping busy, being entertained. <laughs> kind of world. And the idea that our very nature is what arises in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, I think what people would say is, well, I mean, I, I can't meditate my whole life. You know, I'd, no. I'd be, you know, I'd be just, I, I, I'd have got to eat, <laughs> got to be in a relationship and things like that. So, so I, I got to go offline from time to time to, you know, or a lot to, to live my life. So how do you kind of square that with what we're saying about isness? Well, I don't think meditation is the be all end all thing. It's a tool. It, it's a practice. It's a way of, pers of practicing persistence of bringing your attention back. I mean, if you don't get distractions in meditation, you're probably doing it wrong. 
or taking far too many plant medicine drugs. <laughs> so so the, the point is that as you are distracted, you're teaching yourself to to you're teaching the, the skill of redirecting your and bringing your your attention back to your presence. You can do that when you're not meditating. Um, I, I, I don't I've, I've concluded for me, meditation is just a tool. It's not the it's not what you do to achieve something. It is a tool that you use to be persistent about staying present. Yeah, that's interesting because we live in this achievement oriented mm -hmm. world. So we even take something like meditation and mm -hmm. and make that some sort of achievement. I meditated for 30 minutes a day. I meditated for an hour and a half today. Oh, really? I do it three hours twice, two times a day. <laughs> Or, or yeah. worse, or worse yet, you're proclaimed by some authority that you've achieved some uh, some great conscious achievement of consciousness and get a certificate for it. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I'm meditator of the year. <laughs> so, but in just thinking about my regular life, when I am awake to the present moment and i am experiencing what it is what is arising now without my attention going to the past the future or some sort of inner voice about myself or judgment or whatever but i'm just allowing i i'm beholding this little this little flower for example i mean mm -hmm. i can just be uh in the moment as as i walk through my life that's that's it it's just it's about persistence it's it's um we are persistently barraged with distractions causing us to live in fear and trauma and worry about the future and agonize over the past and it's really about persistently correcting oneself and saying but wait I'm here right now. Embrace the journey. I mean, we were having torrential rainstorms. We lost power this morning. It's a beautiful day. And thank God we got rain. I'm just embracing that. In spite of the fact the internet went down and it took us a while to get everything going. What a what a fabulous moment, you know, in spite of it all. Um, so it it it's about pers it's it's about responding to the persistent distractions of living in the moment with persistently getting back to living in the moment. You're going to have thoughts. You got stuff to do. You know, got work to do. Uh, got to walk the dog. Um, but that doesn't stop you from embracing that that moment. And it's pers it's persistent practice. There's no mastery of it. Um, the 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 best line i heard from from a teacher was it's a simple people asking well, what's enlightenment well it's the simplest turning your head from here to there and i i i contend if i can divert a little bit on this subject um when when i occasionally teach meditation there's a tradition in, in some practices where the alleged master teaching meditation bows down to the beginning disciple and honors their state of inquisitiveness, their state of viewing what they're about to embark on as a mystery 
and um that that is uh often lost by people who rest on their laurels they and realizing that uh that state was really what where you started is where you want to go because <laughs> it's always here it always is and um you know i've fought for 25 30 years meditating trying to get past that silent nothingness you know add this is boring and it was literally one day drinking coffee and i fell into meditation and there was nothing and i went you mean it that's it <laughs> that's what it was all along i had this my very first day as you were drinking coffee. As I was drinking coffee. So you weren't like in a lotus position. Hell no. Like, no, no you, I was sitting just... in a chair on the porch, drinking coffee, went into meditation for a moment and had this nothing experience, which I'm very familiar with, and, and the realization that that's the point. <laughs> and and so it's it, it's exceedingly important for one to realize that you are already on your journey the moment you decide to be on it, you are already there because when you're present, you're, you're there. Um, it's not about years of meditation and achievement. I spent 30 years figuring that out where I, nobody taught me that when I was 13 years old, I wish they had, <laughs> I, I went and spent time in Buddhist retreats and, and traveling India. Nobody, nobody mentioned, Oh, by the way, that, really quiet state where nothing seems to be happening that you keep waiting for something to happen that's the that's it <laughs> and and so hence the master bowing to the beginning disciple saying you know you you are where where i have returned to after decades of sacrifice and thinking i was trying to achieve something which comes to the second point the infinite journey that we're each on a sacred journey so and no one's need, like further yeah. along than anybody else. And no one's, no one's yeah. made the destination. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, it's critically important to, to embrace the, in, in, it, there's infinite possibilities, um, but it really has no ending. Uh, especially if you embrace it from a point of observing your presence in this single point in time. I, I think that a lot of people think that this isness is something you'll attain after you die <laughs> and you've you've had the right belief system or you've done the right things or whatever, then 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 suddenly it's there for me. If you if you, would, if, if you adhere and comply to what the authorities tell you to, <laughs> when you'll achieve this elusive goal when you're dead. It's very, 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 very tricky. <laughs> That's a brilliant ploy. It it's it's the oldest ploy in the book. It's been going on for for hundreds of thousands of years. Humanity yeah. has been subjected to this, and yeah. the reality is, I mean, I I, uh, I I would just say you your your journey begins the moment you decide it is, and you've and you're already there. Because there is no end, so embrace it and em embrace your present moment with childlike wonder. That's it. 
You don't need to die to do that. In fact, if you're dead, you're not going to, you know, you can't embrace it. Embrace it while you have a heart and a mind and a body um, and embrace it now. And there's always that opportunity. So in every mm-hmm. moment, there's the opportunity to embrace the moment. Mm-hmm. And we're either choosing to embrace it or choosing to be not present. Yep. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I'm thinking about, I mean, there are times in my life that I, there, I have really some clear, clear moments that were extremely expansive moments. Mm. And I remember them vividly. And my ego wants to go that those are some kind of special moments. Well, they are. They are of course, they're special. Why not? They're special because they happen for a moment. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah, it's really interesting. I can point to several of them that where yeah. where it's like, wow, I I know what eternal life is. This yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah. This moment is, it, and it's yeah. not even like I'm thinking, you know, but it's an experience of the eternal, yeah. the eternalness, and it's it's extremely expansive, and I have distinct memories. This is the downfall of a lot of sort of, especially sort of new age and doctrine western gurus but eastern gurus as well is that they achieve something and they spend their entire existence trying to maintain it um in the presence of their disciples their lives are just as messy if not messier than the people that sit at their feet i i've been on the inner circle of a few i can attest to that um and you know if if they would just let go um it it would, it would be a very different experience for those that they surround themselves with yes so they're they're attached to their role which means oh, yeah. that they're they should be at some level or their behavior should be a certain way and there's a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. on them for that yeah oh my okay. god yeah i i i i watched one group where they were terrified of their male-oriented hierarchy, terrified of female sexuality, and just terrified of having women get too close or any kind of indication that anything might be going on. And then they're a bunch of misogynists <laughs> who 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 secretly <laughs> had some issues, who secretly had some issues. Right. So, so it, it, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating, um, that I was fortunate enough to be on the inside of one particular group and just see, I, I feel like I got to watch the fall of the, 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 the fall of what I would call the Christian church in, in a period of five years. I, I could very easily see how this beautiful man with amazing message would come and, teach the masses that you know the spirit uh, of creator is within you and watch that whole thing turn into yet another hierarchically controlled male dominated hierarchy um and i i felt blessed to watch that and i and, and for me to to say and 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 I met a hundred-year-old Sufi man who said, "Well, you, you're of Christian heritage. You really should dive back into that a little bit." And I did, and it was good advice. I, I, kind of realized, wow, I, I see how that could have happened in five years of watching this one organization just go completely haywire, 
and start creating books and a, and a doctrine and putting it in writing and reading it every after every meditation. Um, half of it was just dictated from speeches. And I, I just watched the whole simple heart meditation tradition dissolve into a hierarchically controlled organization where everyone's clamoring to get FaceTime with the guru. <laughs> and I, you know, I I really felt blessed to see that because I could see how someone with a powerful message 2000 years ago telling the mass revealing secrets from the secret mystery schools to the masses, much to their um much to their chagrin, um would um would have his teachings very quickly hijacked, which I believe they were, and but but not lost because the message was so powerful, they had to keep bits and pieces of it in there to hold it intact. But uh, I I felt grateful to to experience that. I mean, what what comes to my mind is that you know maybe the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> is some, something that we did in consciousness that caused us to fall into this propensity to take <laughs> the beauty of the moment and create a hierarchical, powerful structure to cap capture it. Oh, that gets us into the next segment. <laughs> it does, but it is, am I, I'm on the right track, it sounds I, like. I, I believe so. Um, I. I have delved into, I don't cover it as much in my book, but I've delved into sort of the ancient Hebrew culture. Um, I wish that I had a true Hebrew biblical scholar as an advisor on some of this, but I, I have studied some some good ones. And um, I have delved into Gnosticism, which is, they would tell you the good guy was the was the one in the tree telling you to to eat the tree of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that 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 was actually the good guy and the bad guys were the Elohim, which was a plural, not a singular, who said if they eat from the tree of of life, um they will become like us. Can't have that. Um so it's it's a it's a thorny road. Uh, delving into that because you know you step on a lot of toes, but um... it just feels like this is one of the we're, we'll get into this in part two. But it's just one of these yeah. things that humanity has to do over and over and yes. over and over again. And yeah. it reminds me of also in the Matrix. Do you remember the Matrix series? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember the I think it was a third one where, where yeah. Neo, Neo is facing the architect and and he realizes he's been there seven times. Yeah, yeah. I mean this is we're on a recycle, we're on a recycle yeah. we keep recycling. We we're not really evolving. We keep, we keep on this path of yeah. taking, taking our, our essence and whatever that is, and then creating some sort of hierarchical structure that captures it. Yeah. And, and then it kind of now it always is, craters under its own weight. It, yeah. Over and, and over. And propels us back to the stone age where we are back to, the you know shamanistic practices and living in symbiotic relationship with heaven and earth and <laughs> right right and until someone sticks their head up and says hey let's do it again right 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 
So we'll go deeper into that, but let's talk about, unless you think there's more to talk about the isness, let's talk about the ether and what that is and what does that mean for us? Well, that's, that's a hotly contested subject in today's scientific paradigm. We just, with, with Einstein's invention of time-space fabric, we dispense with ether, which is the oldest explanation from a scientific and spiritual inquiry standpoint, uh, the oldest explanation of the medium that connects all matter in our reality, the medium with which electromagnetic field, energy, vibrations, information travel. Um, you can um, you can explain magnetism, attraction, and repulsion with ether if you consider. Uh, one pole of the magnet spinning in one direction and the other spinning in another, like propellers in water, they're going to attract to a central null point in the middle. They're spinning in the same direction, they're going to repel. Um, fascinating, if you look up a YouTube video of Richard Feynman being asked to explain magnetism, you get squirming and hemming and hawing and, you know, says, well, it's it's complicated. And, uh, but um, you know, ancient philosophers, scientists, spiritual inquirers all believed that there was this substance, which is our universe, fills the empty spaces, and it is what information propagates through. So, I, I mean, like, so like telepathic messages, like that would it's be all elect it's all electromagnetic energy, right? Right, right. So um, I wanted. I looked up some quotes from. I mentioned to you as as a Unity minister that Charles Fillmore, who was one of the co-founders of Unity, wrote about ether a lot. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share some of the definitions that are. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Okay, great. Okay, yeah. here we go. This is what Charles Fillmore says about ether. It's the spiritual substance in which we live, move, and have our being, and out of which can be made whatever we desire. Some scientists teach that space is heavily charged with energies that would transform the Earth if they could be controlled. Arthur Eddington says that about half the leading physicists assert that the ether exists and the other half deny its existence. But in his words, both parties mean exactly the same thing and are divided only by words. Yeah. Um, one with spiritual understanding knows that the ether exists as an emanation of mind and should not be confused in its limitations with matter. Its being is governed and sustained by ideas. Ideas have no physical dimensions. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if that's if that if that's exactly what you're talking I, about. I, oh, I I love that perspective. Yeah. Um, I love that perspective. I would I would say, you know, I could easily say ether is universal consciousness. It contains all information. It contains all information. Yeah. It has all the data. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, ever, then, that ever happened. Yes. Yes. And then he goes on to define substance because he says ether is the spiritual substance. Substance is the divine idea of the underlying reality of all things. Substance is everywhere presence, pervades all things, and inspires to action. It underlies all manifestation and is the spiritual essence, the living energy out of which everything is made. Through substance, all the attributes of being are expressed. It sustains and enriches any idea that is projected onto it. Um, so it's kind of like the animating force that is under all that is. Sure. So, so let's talk about that for a second. So at, at the, if you consider the description of 
my definition of the essence of consciousness, singularity. It's a single point in time and space. It has no characteristic. It just is. What's the center of an electromagnetic vortex? What's the center of an atomic structure? It's a singularity. It has a single point in time and space. Yet out of that nothingness, there's no magnetism at the center of a magnet, right? But center of magnetic vortex, there is zero mag. You can't measure magnetism. And the problem for our scientists is if they can't measure it, they don't study it. So they don't ask themselves, well, what is that nothingness with which all this energy manifests around and all this information revolves around and seems to emanate from? But at, the, at its center, it is nothing. It has no mass, has no dimension. Um, and Yet all substance comes out of that nothingness. You, know, you, you, you have the cosmologists in today's scientific paradigm will say, well, the universe is created out of a singularity, which has no dimension, no time. <laughs> and everything was created from that. Uh, I, I'm sure they're trying to disprove that because that's so incriminating to everything else they say. But what's digression when what was ether replaced with in our current relativistic quantumistic paradigm of fabric of time space what the hell is that don't you have to be a conscious presence to experience time and space if if time and space existed but there was no consciousness to perceive it would it exist mm. <laughs> So it's fascinating to me that they replaced it with a fabric that requires a conscious observer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. relative to 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 be relative to something in, in time and space. Yet um, the study of consciousness is banned <laughs> because we can't measure it, because the center of every vortex, there is nothingness. The essence of our consciousness, there is nothingness. I can't measure that. And in, in, in Platonic belief system, that's the lowest level of Plato's, you know, the, the corporeal physical existence. We can measure it. It experiences time and space. The mind can experience experiences time, but it can go beyond spatial limitations. The heart, no time, no space. It's called the platonic tripartite in my book i describe it as the three electromagnetic vort magnetic vortexes in our body the, the brain the heart and the gut are three nerve bundles and um the sufis taught me there's only one chakra and that's the heart chakra everything is a reflection from that everything emanates all substance emanates from a singularity point that has no substance so it forces you to say well what are the un what's the unseen presence we can experience but we can't measure it creates physical matter creates experiences um but at its essence it is it seems to come from nothing so if the ether is the medium that connects all matter mm -hmm. then this is like when we when we pray, when we have thoughts, when we have reactions, when we have any of the human experience that we have, we are we are vibrating our 
our experience or expression of what are into this ether. Is that right? And I, then I, I believe so, but I think you're also connecting something that singularity that exists outside of it that is unmeasurable and infinite. Okay. So you're bringing that that into this reality in the form of thoughts and vibrations. Okay. Okay. But 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 where does that intent come from? It comes from an unseen, unmeasurable, conscious presence. And that's that's what that's where our current science is stuck because can't measure it, can't study it. Yeah, I see where science is stuck. Yeah, I, I see where science is stuck. I'm just looking at you know what is the what is the a practical way of looking at me in my world and you in your mm -hmm. world and how we are interacting with the rest of the world and yeah. how the ether connects us. And so you know, to me, it seems like my thoughts would go into this ether space mm -hmm. and, and go out and permeate everything. I so would kind say of like, so. Yeah, so yeah. how like we were saying about the golden rule. And when yeah. I harm someone, when when I cause a take the life of someone, when I when I cause something harm, that that is a an energy that kind of vibrates into this ether, which I think is kind yeah. of where the collective consciousness yeah. is. And you I harm think. yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. And at the same time, also like I think prayer is like putting an intention into mm -hmm. this ether that yes. is beyond space-time and yes. impacts the collective consciousness yeah. and, and can have an impact on, on the object of my intention. Yeah. And I, d I don't know if ether is beyond space-time. Okay. It, there seems to be a lot of confusion. Scientists tried to measure it and they couldn't, so therefore it doesn't exist, right? But but it certainly connects singularity presences that are beyond space and time. So whether, and, and it could very well be the reason why the scientific experiments in the 20th century to measure ether failed is because it is truly beyond space and time. <laughs> Yet everything, it, it, it's a single consciousness. Um, I love the shamanic view that all nature, rocks, plants, planets, stars, they all are conscious beings. And, and then the fact that there's a unseen spirit world, you know, where you get guidance. And that unseen wisdom comes out of nature, comes out of the etheric reality around us. Um, think about a radio signal you know, music on a radio signal. Radio signal is electromagnetic waves propagating through ether. You can measure it. Comes to a speaker, creates sound waves. You can measure that. But you can't measure the emotions and the impact of the information that that music conveys. That comes from a place that you cannot measure, right? Right. And and that's that's um, that is beyond... The physical realm its effects impact the physical realm i go to the trouble of making a song and transmitting it over the airways and putting it onto speakers and people listen to it and they're moved by it you're communicating something where did that come from it didn't come from the ether <laughs> it traveled it propagated through it didn't come from the airways it propagated through it but where did that 
information and the underlying feelings that you experienced from that song? Where did that come from? <laughs> okay, is there an answer? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> okay. All right. And we stay, we, we stay in the mystery. And it's interesting to feel the tension of being in the mystery because, you know, there, there's something about the mind that wants to answer that question. And, 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 and then there we go. Ding, ding, ding. Goal there, achieved. <laughs> yep. There is no absolute truth. It's, a, it's if, if there's not a persistent mystery on the journey, then you're not on your journey. Well, I, in terms of absolute <laughs> truth, maybe the absolute truth is, I mean, the way I would look at absolute truth is the three principles that you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. The essence. Um, the journey. The journey and universal the universal consciousness. consciousness. To I, me, that's that's absolute truth. It seems to resonate with a, a, a lot of people for tens of thousands of years across cultures and continents. So I, I have to believe there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly didn't invent it. <laughs> no, no, I, I know that. I know that. Um, so we let, let, is there anything more we should say about this before we go into part two? Because part two, we're going to be talking about, we just kind of laid the groundwork about isness and really what our, I, what, I, what I would call like our authentic nature, our intended nature, our divine nature, different ways of saying that. Um, but that, that, that this is who we are. And that there are so many blocks to us expressing this. And that's why we're in this kind of entangled mess that we're in. That's mm -hmm. why we have war and disease and all the problems that we have over and over and over and over again. And we're in this cycle, 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 cycle. And what do we do to break out of this cycle? So that's what we're going to go into in part two. I think one of the things that we haven't really covered is this idea of the sovereign Spiritual sovereignty, the Spiritual fact that sovereignty. We, are, we, are, we, are, we are each and every individual a sacred spirit. Spirit and soul, I believe, are two different things. I think soul is what's manifested around our presence in our existence. But spirit is a sacred presence that exists in every conscious being. Um, and if you don't honor that, then you don't honor it within yourself. And so and, the, the sovereignty of each spirit mm -hmm. is, yep. is paramount. Like it's really yes. important. Yes. So this idea that um, even though the third principle is that there's a universal consciousness and that we are all a part of it and that we are all one, this spiritual sovereignty is still very, we all, very, we all have a very unique position and perspective in that consciousness and it's you no no one else can have that perspective and and, it, and it's our our responsibility to retain that yes okay and so we'll and be talking more about this in the persistently next... maintain it <laughs> yes persistently maintain it okay, okay. Well, all right I'm, I'm probably gonna change venues here real quick okay. and take a break and i will catch you on uh on the flip side here. Okay, sounds great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is kind of a, a, a fairly esoteric conversation. I hope you all hung with us. Next, The next part's really going to be very, very important. So um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. And I now close the spiritual forum.
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.